to the highway In a brand new day Gotta let it go So far Welcome to Open the Voice Gate for August 28th, 2019. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can follow the podcast account at Open Voice Gate. Myself, I'm Iron Mike Spears at Fujiheya. That's Fujiheya, two eyes like Don Fuji. Or my co-host, Caselow at underscore in your case. Please, if you, you could download us on basically every single podcast application you can rate and review us and if you want to we have our own dedicated rss feed i believe still and the voices of wrestling rss feed but now that we got that all underway case how's it going today i'm doing well i'm happy to be here for the second week in a row uh a much more frequent recording schedule than we are used to but we're okay with x there's a lot of shows making tape in the coming weeks and we need to we need to be here to talk about it yeah it's been a Hot season of Dragon Gate has officially started, and it'll pretty much be this way. Through, there'll be a little bit of break in later September, but it'll be this way, I feel like, until the end of the year with a lot of stuff making tape. And it's an interesting time period to see, the very least. We're recording right before All Out, where I'll be in your neck of the woods. So I'm kind of stoked about getting up to Chicago this weekend because the weather there is like 20 degrees colder and it has no threat of hurricanes. So I'm looking forward to that this weekend. There's a lot of threats in Chicago. Hurricanes is not one of them. That I can safely cross off. That's not going to happen this weekend. <laughs> Miami's not playing, so it's not even a chance that it's going to be like Miami versus Notre or not even Notre Dame. What am I thinking? Northwestern. So that's not even an opportunity as well. No, no. It's it's a straight wrestling weekend for for most of us with no hurricanes in sight, except for maybe Shane, Shane Helms, but I don't want to see that either. So I'm hoping it's no hurricanes, period. Yeah, uh, there was like an opportunity for us to do stuff at StarCast, a part of everything I'll be doing something for StarCast, and each time I'm like, you know what? Nah, just not going to. <laughs> just, it's just, the whole thing is just a big no. It's a no from us. It, unless How Ming Mask has the Ada t-shirt there with him, I'm not interested. So that's fair. That is fair. I, I mean, it's just like I look at these weekends, and of course, if Strong Hearts were there, then of course I'd be like, okay, time for me to go up to Shima and say, hey, Shima, how's it going? I feel like you you might know who I am at this point. Let's talk. Let, let's talk shop here. But I you just... know, I'm glad you mentioned that because <laughs> I have been a loyal all elite supporter since day one. I am hashtag all elite. I I believe. And the powers that be, Kenny Omega and Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks. And I have been a, a loyal servant since their launch in January. And before that, I am maybe the biggest Shima fan on the planet. 
And I was so excited when Strong Hearts, or as Matt Jackson put it, Love Hearts were announced at the start of the year. And I was like, this is amazing. I'm going to get to cover one of my favorite wrestlers for a Major League American promotion. This is the greatest gift that could happen. And you know what else? All Elite likes to run Chicago. They ran All In last year. They're running All Out this year. I'm going to get to see Shima in person. It's going to be fantastic. Shima's a featured player on every All Elite show leading up to All Out. On All Out, he's not on the card. And it's not that I'm personally offended, but I'm on the verge of being personally offended. I cannot believe he's not on those shows. Yeah, it's just weird that with how things shook out, and I know that both T-Hawk and El Lineman and the rest of Strong Hearts have stuff going on, and Russell won this weekend, so they're obviously not going to make it. But Shima, he's been left off this card. He's not on Russell One. I I've not been able to surmise from his tweets or talking to folks where he is. I know he was in Greece for the last few weeks. So Yeah, I, th- I thought he was still in Greece, but I mean, make the flight to O'Hare. I mean, I'll pick you up. Whatever you need. I just, ah, give me something. I The, the more and more those matches got announced, like, you know, okay, All Out's running August 31st. I'm like, great, Shima's going to be in the upper, you know, semi-main event. You know, a few matches get announced. Okay, perfect mid-card spot for Shima. A few more matches get announced. Well, Shima's going to light the house up. He's going to be in the opener. It's going to be great. And then we get this card, and he's nowhere to be found. And it's just a real bummer on what looks like a great show. I'm going to have a great time there. I would enjoy it so much more if Shima was on the card. Yeah, I just just while you were talking, I, I completely co-signed with everything you said there. I, I went to his social media because usually that's the best way of figuring out where the hell he is. And he doesn't he does not have anything on his Instagram story where he always geolocates himself. So he makes it pretty easy for us to figure out. Okay, we should expect him or not expect him. Nothing. The, his most recent thing is retweeting the not so good Hao Ming T-shirt for Strong Hearts in comparison to how good the Ada T-shirt is. Strong Hearts one not so hot in my opinion. I I would co-sign that, but who knows? Maybe wishful thinking. Maybe Shima comes out and attacks Chris Jericho after the match, uh, after the main event, and we get Shima versus Jericho. Which I know that's not happening, but can you imagine Shima versus Chris Jericho? I want that immediately. I just am wondering what kind of match that'll be. Shima and at age forty-one, just completely. Now he's at a point where he's just doing what he wants, and I respect it. And it's, it does have some ramifications in other shows because Shima obviously wants to do what he wants. But I wonder what a Shima versus Chris Jericho match would be. Like, it's weird. It's weird, much like everything going on in Dragon Gate right now. All right, let's get into it. So we are, one of the reasons why we're here this quickly after the last episode was Dangerous Gate happened four days ago on the 24th as of when we're recording. And yeah. It was the, uh, it's traditionally, I would consider it the weakest of the top five shows. Just traditionally, it is always the one that's in the smallest venue. It's always right after Kobe World, and it's kind of like in a weird spot. But so it's usually like this, but I can't remember a weirder show in recent memory in the Dragon System. Before we get into it, just the specifics on the show. It was again on August 24th from Otis City General Gymnasium. The claim attendance was 33.94, which is up from 31.77 from last year. They claimed a super no vacancy, and to be honest with how they fill out that arena, I would say it was pretty much that. So, Case, overall thoughts on Dangerous Gate 2019? It just didn't feel like by the time that show was over, 
that I had watched a 2019 Dragon Gate show. It just had a different feel, even though everybody on the roster that's anybody other than Pac was on the show, it felt like it was just missing this punch or this oomph or something that it that it needed. I, I can't describe it. And when I was writing my review, uh, you know, the show took place on a Saturday and I didn't finish my review until Sunday night because I was so just stuck with how to, you know, encapture the show, how to, how to summarize it for the final thoughts. I, I was just left going, what in the hell did I just watch? And it's weird because it wasn't a bad show. I mean, there have been shows, you know, mostly, you know, the 2017 lineup where I'm, confused by the end of it but i'm flustered and you know there's you know this match was bad and ato was doing this and i didn't like this this was a good show with three really great matches on it and then a main event that i liked but didn't love but i was still just going what what was this and then you see the cards that are announced for gate of origin and then the september corgan hall and it continues to get weirder and for a promotion that i watch everything that makes tape of i suddenly have no feel for the promotion whatsoever yeah, it's just something that, like, again, I thought overall this was a fun show. There was three matches that I thought were great. There was only, like, two matches that I thought kind of stank, and those were the two matches. Walking into the show, I was like, if there's going to be places for two matches to stink, it's going to be these two matches. But I have to say that pretty much starting right after the end of the main event from Kobe World to now— and then it looks like it's going to continue into September after we get done talking about this, the two big shows kind of in September. They, there's like this weird air around the promotion, and it's just like it has a different vibe than usual. And the vibe is something that's kind of similar to how things are when there's like been some drama or some sort of shakeup. But to my knowledge, there's no drama. There's no shakeup upcoming. It's just weird. The... The, the uh, Tokyo Oda crowd usually is kind of a fickle one. I remember times where like things have happened to like a dead audience, but it seemed like it was even more of a dead audience than usual. You know, like especially in certain matches with some people who've been featured more. I was kind of going like, okay, this is kind of weird that the crowd's kind of sitting back waiting to see what's going to happen, and it's just a weird vibe. Like it just kind of after getting done watching the show, I didn't watch live. I stayed unspoiled and I watched it the next day. I just watched, walked away from the show going, I don't know what I watched here. I think I liked it, but at the end of the day, I feel really weird about it. So it just was a weird show. And Do you think that the feeling that's like clouding over the promotion right now, do you think that's Ultimo-related? Because although there's there's no drama that we're aware of, there's no split incoming, there's no major beef, those Ultimo matches in a just take up so much space on the card in the sense that they're big matches, even if they aren't these epics, it's just whether it's intentional or not, that is the focus every time he's on the show. And he hasn't main evented any of these shows, including the Naruki Doi homecoming show that he was on. He hasn't been in the main event, but that's where the eyes dart to. And I can't tell if that is just, we are still living in the luster of Ultimo dragon being on these dragon gate shows or if it speaks to he's pulling the attention away from the rest of the card. I can't figure out which one it is, if it's any of those options at all. And, you know, there is that there is some reason to look that way. I mean, when he came out at the June Corkin, the crowd was weird towards him. I mean, I know that 
people like John Carroll were at the show and they're like, yeah, no, there was not a crazy response for him when he showed up. And it had a very similar weird air about it as well. So maybe there's just like a overall unease with him being there. I don't feel like that attention has really been pulled from him. I mean, whenever there's been a moment for Ben K to have a, to like take the microphone, he's taken the microphone and he's been the focal point, but still that's the only thing that I could really come to with that because at least in my opinion, Ben K's doing it just fine as the new ace and as a champion, but it does kind of feel like that it is something that Ultimo's there and that's naturally going to be, okay, why is this feeling weird? Oh, it must be Ultimo. So I don't Which know. is a little similar to, you know, right before Kobe World, I wrote this piece on what a Ben K Dreamgate reign could look like. And my fear was that it was going to turn into the 2016 Yamato reign, which started off with Akira Tozawa leaving as being the focus. And we didn't really get Yamato as the front and center, this is our champion, until Tozawa left, which was November, and Yamato won the belt in July. And I, you know, I'm i just afraid that... And it's not Ultimo's fault. You know, I don't think he's... Uh, the company or Ultimo are doing this in a purposeful way. But I do think he's kind of sucking the air out of Ben K and the rest of the card because it's it's Ultimo Dragon in Dragon Gate. And whether they want to or not, that's where the focus is. And, you know, there was a big match feel for this Ben K Yamato match, but I the Ultimo match had a bigger feel and the entrances were grander and the moments were bigger. And I don't think that's anybody's fault. I just think that's the reality of the situation. And at least when we're talking about the twenty sixteen start of the ace run for Yamato by the time everything got moved around towards him it seemed like that the luster of the big Yamato win and then the uh, and then him I mean first him getting kicked out for Zurich to him just going on a rampage winning at Kobe World it, it was not necessarily something that there were things there it was like oh yeah Yamato's been champion now for almost five months and he's facing Ruki Doi who felt like a bigger star during the uh, big title match they had at Final Gate 2016 than Yamato really ever did. So it's a odd and peculiar situation that that, that there's been a bit that of me that's like, okay, I want to see how this plays out before I make it a judgment here. I want to, at least around Binke, saying, okay, he's new to this. This is something that really, when they, they've not done like a clear-cut anointing of someone, probably since Shingo Takagi, I want to say, like, usually it's been like, oh yeah, no, he's the ace, and it's come later, but Shingo Takagi was very much made out to be, like, the Shima killer, and he was the one who won at 2008 Kobe World when Shima broke his neck, and he was probably going to win that match too. So it's just like, when I, like, look and compare and contrast, cause that's really all we can do at this point. I'm like, what's going on here? When can I really make my definitive decision on how this is going for Benkei? And I just don't know, because... Like you said, Ultimo has pomp and circumstance, and there was the moment where Ultimo was asked about being a member of the roster coming up in two weeks. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that are just kind of hanging over that makes me want to be a little skeptical and say maybe he's not it now, even though I do think he is it. I do think he's it, but it makes me wonder, like, okay, Ultimo is overshadowing him, or is it just this weirdness? And I think that's well, what it boils down to. For, for sure, and I also think... In the in the you know when we're speaking of Ben K, it's tough to judge off of a Yamato Dreamgate reign, and I I think we should start there and then move our way down the card. Yeah. Because the discourse I had with a few people just in the prior days talking about this show, 
Um, a lot of them seem to be higher on the main event than I was, which I gave it uh, three and a half stars. I thought it was, you know, a very good match. I don't think it ever hit a point or it was great or that I was on the edge of my seat. I think it had a few really big spots, uh, most notably Ben K throwing Yamato out of the ring to the floor. <laughs> uh, I could watch that all day. Um, but I have just come to the conclusion that Yamato is terrific. I think his charisma is second to none. Uh, he's a out-of-this-world tag team wrestler, what he wants to be. He really is someone that feels like the complete package when he's at his apex, the one flaw he has is that I just don't like him as much as a main event wrestler. And it's weird because, again, I gave this match three and a half stars. I There have been a handful of Yamato Dreamgate matches, whether he's challenging or defending, that I've enjoyed. But the problem is, is that those matches that I've enjoyed have been against the Masaki Mochizukis and the Masato Yoshinos and the Shingo Takagis of the world. These are all-time great wrestlers. And when Yamato was in there against a lesser opponent, whether that be even someone like a BB Hulk or a Susumu Yokozuka, or in this case, a Benkei, someone who is great but not at that level, I just don't think it works. And that is... A you know that is the that is the type of thing that makes Hall of Fames Hall of Fames and not Hall of Very Goods. Yamato was in that Hall of Very Good for the Dragon System as a worker in the 21st century. He is very very good, but he does not connect with me in that top tier Hall of Fame way. And this match with Ben K was the perfect example of that because, like I said, the spots that I liked were Ben K throwing Yamato out of the ring, Ben K spearing Yamato off the ropes, and then even then, Ben K taking the big bump on the suplex on the apron. It was a Ben K match, and it made him look good, which is great because he's the new ace, and that's how it should be. But it takes two to tango, and I'm just not... I never get that vibe from Yamato that he even necessarily wants to be in that big match spot and it's frustrating because again he's got everything else but this was just another Yamato match where it's just like that was fine I mean that wasn't bad I can't say it was a bad match but man that feels like it could have been a lot better and I just get that too often with him so I think it's tough to evaluate Ben K's reign a month in when he's been saddled with Yamato who just doesn't step up to the plate when he needs to sometimes yeah and on top of that I think one of the things that frustrated me with this match, I was a little higher. I was three and three quarters. So I guess I kind of bridged the gap between your relatively low opinion of, of the match in comparison to everyone else. Which is three and three quarters. That's still a very good match. Like, I think that there was a lot of matches in Yamato's tile ring that were worse than that. So at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, it's fine. But I go back to their King of Gate match they had in May. Right after Yamada, right after Benkei got turned on and he was just starting his face run, where those two guys just went at it, and it was about 10 minutes shorter than this. It was just back and forth, and he beat him with a sleeper hold. And it just was awesome with the way that those two guys went out there and then how they've had such off-and-on chemistry. And I think we both kind of came to the conclusion that the chemistry was based more on, okay, does Yamato just want to go grapple a whole bunch and just trade ankle locks for about 10 minutes or does he actually care so it's interesting to me in that regard how this is because it just there were moments that i was like okay this is going to kick in the the gear because yamato's matches have that typical dreamgate gear where it goes from okay we've been doing this for so long to okay 
we are kicking this into the next gear. And it didn't really have that. It was more of a certain, like, build. And I would have expected that the huge hammer toss outside the ring and then the other stuff that happened that Ben K did would have kicked into that final gear. But it just kind of just moved into it. It wasn't like a kick. It was like a steady elevation. And then when the match ended, it was just like, okay, yeah, this match was 28 minutes. But it kind of felt like it... And I really love to say this, but it felt like this was a match that maybe needed four more minutes of a final stretch because no, that's that's exactly it. Yeah, so, so like it, if there was a match that I mean, don't get me wrong, the idea of a thirty-three minute Yamato title match is my idea of personal hell. Like that's like my <laughs> least favorite thing possible. But this that's what this match needed, case. And but but yeah, I mean, if I look at this from personal enjoyment star rating perspective. If this match has four minutes of back and forth, just boom, 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 here are these big spots, this is the Dragon Gate main event style, I'm probably giving this match four stars because those four minutes are going to be the exact style of wrestling that I enjoy. But this match never hit that, and I thought the finish was flat. I was actually super disappointed in this finish, which is, you know, for I think as good as Ben K's been in the Dreamgate victory versus Pac and Atlas defense versus Yamato, I think both of the finishes have been flat, and I don't understand that because he doesn't really have that problem in any other aspect or any other type of match i should say yeah and that's the thing and with some for someone like benke who was a very well decorated wrestler going up until college i mean he wrestled in college that's why he had a later start than everyone else i was like okay these two guys they'll mesh together and we'll see because yamato is a former pancrase fighter so you'd be like okay if any of these things happen it's going to happen and it just didn't happen this time. And maybe that this reminded me a lot more of the interactions they had in Fukuoka. And I'm just like, okay, all right. And then I get into it. I'm like, oh, that's it? Okay, that's that, that's where we're going here. I think it's just... And, and then, like, I feel like it's kind of hard to talk about the future of Benkei going now when we see these cards where for the first time in six years, is it? I want to say six years, they're doing a battle royal to send, determine who gets a drink key. So I'm just, like, go wondering at this point. This goes back to... What are they doing here? So it's, yeah, I, it, it's weird. Yeah, it's it's really weird, and, and we'll discuss it as we go along. We have no feel for the promotion right now. Um, not in a bad way, but I think the show, at least on my half, is, is going to be a lot of speculating on where they go because I just can't make a firm decision on the next step for most of the guys on the roster. And this is a company that, you know, yes, they'll swerve me here and there, but I get a pretty good feel for their booking. I mean, even on this show, Maria was so dominant in the opening match that I, I had, I didn't think it was going to come as soon as it did, but I was like, okay, they're building Maria back up. This is going to be great. I look forward to seeing her in a big match. And then boom, she's in a brave gate match, but there's other stuff on this card that I just have no feel for. But I get, I should say, I mean, as a whole, again, Benkei Yamato was a good match, but I'm over the Yamato main event style. And it had been two years since his last Dreamgate match. It was when he lost the belt at Dangerous Gate 2017. But I didn't miss it while it was gone. And then <laughs> seeing it again, it was just like, all right. Again, it was it was all right. I This is fine. But it's not the way that I wanted Benkei to kick off his reign. It wasn't the match I wanted. And it was a disappointing finish. Right, yeah, and I think that's kind of the the best way to kind of describe it, and we'll get more into Maria as we go down the card. So we're just going to go from title matches down, do you feel like, for this? Yeah, I want to talk about this Twin Gate match. All right, I I, I realized I, I didn't list the time and the finish of the main event. It was, of course, Ben K over Yamato, 
28-10 for his first dream key. The semi-main event was the Open the Twin Gate Championship no disqualification match where Ada and Big R Shimizu would make their first defense against the natural vibes team of KZ and Kiki Horiguchi. They would be successful as they won in 21 minutes and 8 seconds with a shot put slam to Kiki Horiguchi after Big R Shimizu splatted KZ through a ladder. It was it was insane. But Case, get, give me your thoughts. I know that this was a match that you completely were just beside yourself about. Yeah, this match ruled, and I wasn't expecting it to. And there was even a point in this match where I didn't really like it all that much. Um, typically, weapons in Dragon Gate are bad. It just doesn't work with the crowd or the environment or the feel of the promotion. But I still think one of the worst matches in the company's history was at Kobe World 2012 when KZ teamed up with Mondai Ryu and they took on Stalker Ichikawa and Atsushi Onita. And that's a 12-minute match that is a 12-minute waste of time. I do not implore anyone to go back and watch that match. Weapons, just for whatever reason, typically don't do it for me in this promotion. But this... I thought this was a phenomenal notice qualifications match um, with the start being great. I love that natural vibes just attacked them on the ramp. I love that Ata kidnapped punched Tamanaga backstage and it was beating him up on the ramp. And then Horiguchi and KZ go after him and they do, you know, it's crowd brawling. It's whatever, but I was entertained by it. And then, you know, you get to this heat segment on Horiguchi, which was needed. And I'm glad they did this. I thought it maybe went on a little too long and it's what kind of detracts this match in my mind from being a match of the year contender worldwide or just in Drangate. I thought it was a very good match, but this heat segment, you know, they cut Horiguchi's hair, which is a good spot, but it just felt like it went on for forever and it was just confusing given how the match started and it felt like it was going to be this tornado tag with just spot after spot after spot but they really slowed it down and worked over horiguchi which was cool i just thought it went on a little too long and then all of a sudden the weapons come back into play kz does the kz time you know swanton bomb off a ladder which i am all for that is a fantastic spot and then big r shimizu like you just discussed does a splash from the top of a ladder through a table and I don't understand how this didn't blow up more. I was expecting to see this gif throughout my timeline uh, all all last weekend, and it never seemed to catch on, which I don't understand because I quite literally jumped off my couch when this happened. This is one of the nuttiest things I've seen, and it capped off a match that I thought was exciting, engaging, and thrilling, and it had these well-timed, big weapon spots. Four and a half stars for me, my match of the night. Yeah, I think that it's between that and the other tag match on the show for me, personally. It just was a very different style of a Dragon Gate hardcore match, and I think that's what kind of pulled it out from the dregs of Dragon Gate hardcore, because the the crowd does not like hardcore matches in Dragon Gate. They've never really liked hardcore matches. It's been a thing pretty much through... All its history, they want the match to happen inside the ring. Whenever someone starts to take off the ropes like M2K did, they would freak out about it. When they did the no ropes match, those were probably the best non-straight tag matches or just normal tag matches for this. And I mean, even when you go to the the Berserk versus uh, Jimmy's like total destruction match that happened 
in 2016, I want to say. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. I've been getting over a cold. Was it 2016 or 2015, the end of the Jimmys? Uh, that was 2015. That 2015. was that was one of the many uh, Shingo Takagi FMW tribute jerk off fests. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the thing was that they would try to bring out barbed wire, and with the exception of NXT's barbed wire they had on that dumb cage over the last few weeks ago, it was the worst barbed wire. It was completely gimmicked up. It looked more just like someone used just wire around the table, and just the crowd does not like hardcore matches. And however, this was a a match that. There's not a whole lot of ladder usage in Dragon Gate, and I tried to think about the only other time that they did it, and maybe it's just me just blanking on history, but I couldn't think of very many times that ladders have been used in Dragon Gate. You know, no, I, I can't think of another major match that had ladders other than uh, Kobe World 2006. The main event was right. a no-rope match between Shima and Kishiwada, and Shima brought out a ladder for that, but it, it goes... My mind went past that of just other than those no rope matches, and and you brought up the uh, the Berserk stuff, which I kind of blacked out, maybe <laughs> you know, maybe intentionally, because uh, yeah. those matches were good, but they were exhausting. Um, I can't think of many other Dragon Gate matches that have had weapons or have been hardcore based that have been featured so prominently on the card. Uh, right. Because for a while they were running those no rope matches, which I enjoyed, but they really ran their course, and there was a reason they no longer run them. Uh, because I think the last one was like a Yamato versus T Hawk match that just it the the gimmick had no life at that point. But there's just not a lot of matches post intermission that you're going to see these kinds of spots, and it it goes to the point, you know, Ben K versus Yamato was a different type of Dreamgate match. This match was the one where I was going, what show am I watching? What is this? Because I've been watching Dragon Gate for a long time, and I I am befuddled. I'm enjoying this match, but it's not something I ever thought I'd see from the promotion. But to me, it worked out because it was my favorite match of the night. Yeah, and it's one of those things that I think part of the reason why it worked out was that KZ and Geeky Horikuchi, they're the ones who brought the ladders. They're the ones who like, oh no, they brought the sign, the... Uh, they brought the stop sign that got a huge pop when it was used, but like the ladders was just like completely a thing that I think took the crowd from a surprise. I think also something that was kind of interesting about this match was, it, unlike like typical hardcore matches where it was you do a spot, I do a spot, they incorporated the beatdown Gigi Horiguchi with the weapons, and it worked incredibly well, especially the cutting off the of his few remaining dreads. I I, I think those are extensions, but they, <laughs> you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it worked out really well, and. Everything about it, they made sure it was a definitive win that, like, okay, KZ's eliminated. We're not going to go for Star Mine. We're just going to shot putt slam Ginky Horiguchi, put him in the earth, and won that way. And it just worked out pretty well. And for a tag team that, like, they've been very clear over August that Big E is going to be the big tag team. Like, this is what they're going to be doing for RED going forward. And it did a good job, I felt like, of making them important and. The idea that I think Ada, over the last month and a half now, has really solidified and put himself in incredibly comfortable as a number one heel leader, which was an issue these had for the last two and a half years. So I feel like that they did a great job with that, but there's one thing we do need to get into, which was for the last few weeks, we all were thinking that there was going to be this big turn, betrayal, surprise, something out of Ada and R.E.D. out of this match. Lo and behold, I think my attention was on Brother Yashi the entire damn match, but no betrayal, no 
new debut, nothing. Like, it just kind of came and went, and the NATO was like, oh, no, it's happening on the 11th. So that was kind of a little bit of a disappointment in the back of my mind. So my thought on that, and it's it's full-on conspiracy theory. I can't even say it's a fleshed-out idea, but could it possibly have something to do with the fact that Kai was dumped straight on his head and although he walked to the back on his own powers, clearly missed the last two segments of his match. Because there's a point after he gets spiked by that Dragon Kid Hurricane Rana, I believe it's Jason Lee who who is trying to get Kai up to do the next spot, and Kai is out. And so they, they move on from that. And I just, I to me, it was so... Oh, by the way, when Ata said, we're, we're going to do this in Tokyo, but it's going to be at Corkin, that it made me feel like either something happened during the show that threw the entire thing off or something happened before the show. Somebody couldn't make it. Somebody changed their mind, this or that, that shook things up because it would make sense for them to do this at Corkin and say, ah, we're going to do it on the big show. Screw you guys because they're there every month. But I thought it was very odd that they just ignored this and and it was very like like i said you know just a second ago you know oh by the way we don't have our guy come to cork and you'll see him there you know that wouldn't surprise me as well there could be the lingering thought in the back of their mind that kazma debuted in dragon gate this time last year and it was pretty much a wet fart like he came out and luckily kazma has proven to be like the worldwide most approved wrestler of 2019 but it just was a awkward moment for Dragon Gate. So it could be that. I The Kai idea, I can't discount it, especially looking at what's happening in Corkin and what kind of match Kai's in with a bunch of the guys from R.E.D. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was like, okay, he got spiked, he's locked, he's knocked loopy. We can't really, it's unconscionable for us to try to do this big, this big like angle with a guy who probably had a concussion like no one the like you don't get you don't get really big health reports on dragon gate unless someone is off shows and there's no health reports but you know he just wasn't there and you know that, that all matches up to me now that you're you've laid it out i entirely believe that that's pr- possible and now kai goes from someone i was not expecting for the turn now to be someone that's like yeah okay that makes sense and then also you can go down that there can be a huge uh R.E.D. versus Tri-Vanguard loser disbands match. Like, there's a lot of options you can go there. So, yeah. No, I buy it now. Yeah, it just... Again, if you watch that Ultimate Dragon, the the eight-man tag, or the six-man tag back, Kai was supposed to do a lot more in that match, but he just happened to get flipped and then land on his neck, and then he could no longer compete. Um, so, it's, it's a possibility at the very least. Yeah, you can't discount it. And actually, that would make sense, because Kai was the person who broke bb hulk's neck and you could have you could keep on going like oh he's been a sleeper agent the entire time like there's a lot of options you could do with kai so it's intriguing God, it is it is frightening to think that we are breaking down kai possibilities in dragon gate <laughs> but th- this this is the promotion now i mean i've i've come to grips with kai being here i'm i'm yeah. honest every time i see him i'm still confused by it it doesn't make any sense to me but he does an all right job so i let it slide but i just I never would have thought Kai would be a possible man to turn heel and challenge for the Dreamgate, possibly. 
Um, it's just we're living in a very odd time. It's just wild, and that's the only way I could describe it. Is that we're just in a very wild time in the company. Maybe that's another reason. It's just that everything's up against the wall now. Like we're seeing what really things are going now that we are over twelve months away from the split, and now Ultimo's back. And you know, as you said earlier, like I I am someone who I usually have a pretty good feel for this promotion. Like this promotion, now that I've followed it for. 13-ish years, 13-ish years, I, I can read into stuff and go like, okay, this makes sense what's going on. And as you said, like, it's very hard at this juncture to figure out how, like, the big picture stuff's going. Like, like I expect Ben K to be titled to be the Dreamgate holder probably now, at least until next year. Like, I think it's a fair thing. I mean, unless there's, like, some big shocking person he's the thing up against at Final Gate, I think that's a fair declaration. But the, but the rest of this card up and down, I just don't know. And it's just impossible to tell, but it's weird. So, and I feel like that that's already the tenth time I've said that this episode is that it's weird. But it's it's the way it is right now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just a weird time. Uh, do you have any other thoughts about that before we move on to the next match? Now let's move on. All right, the uh, first match after our mission was a special singles match. This time it was not for any bug killer or any special thing, from what I could tell. It was Susumu Yokosuka versus Shun Skywalker, starting what I, the informal Shun Skywalker upper card trial series. Well, he goes 0-2 in this one, so he's lost against KZ at Kobe World. He's lost against Susumu at Dangerous Gate. He lost in 13 minutes and 30 seconds with the Amugen package. And I went four stars on this. I like this a whole lot. I feel like this was a match that... For the its place on the show, this was not going to be the steel show match that the KZ match was at Kobe World. But I felt like that this was just a very well timed, big impact move. That I mean, it's just another example of how Shun has put together these really great singles matches this this entire year. I mean, if you want to like really look at like if you want to do a table of people in Dragon Gate and singles matches, I think at this point, just because of like the injuries happened to UT and where Kaido Ishida is. I think you have to say that Shin Skywalker has been the best singles wrestler in the promotion all year long. I would certainly agree. So, though those were my thoughts on the match. I loved it a whole lot. I feel like that it was a it, it felt like a gate match in my opinion, in a lot of ways, and it just was like playing up like the hope spots for Shun. I thought it was really excellent. Case, what were your thoughts about it? Yeah, this is not KZ versus Skywalker from World, and if you want that match from this. It's not what you got, and I and I feel like if people know that going in, they're going to enjoy it way more because this was methodical and much slower paced, and there was to me there was a clear chess match here where Susumu knew Skywalker's offense going in, and it was just a matter of time. He was playing his spots and just knew he was going to be able to catch him at the just right time and win the match, and that's what happened. I gave it four stars as well. It was just. Great professional wrestling from bell to bell, but not the type of match that Skywalker had with KZ. And I just think that's important to note. If you haven't seen the match yet, don't expect that because it, we're looking at two different styles of wrestling here. Both are just as good, though, because, again, I gave this match four stars. Um, another really good showing for Skywalker other than the high-end pock stuff and then KZ, who's just been consistently good all year, Skywalker... My, you know what, he Skywalker is my worker of the year in Dragon Gate this year, and to me, he should be in the running for most outstanding, especially 
given his singles match resume, which, face it, guys in Dragon Gate just don't get that many singles matches throughout the year. It's a little harder for them. Skywalker, since the first show of the year, has been killing it in singles matches. He's had great tag matches, and he's had a handful of really fun trios matches. He's a most outstanding contender and my wrestler of the year in Dragon Gate up to this point. Yeah, and it's something that they've kind of laid out this year for him. Between... Yeah, it's been it's been great to see because yeah. for so long it was, okay, Skywalker's in the opener, he's going to hit his moonsault to the floor, and he's going to get the win. And we saw that for all of last year. And it was entertaining, but by the end of last year, we were hoping something new was going to come out of this. And, you know, he went off to All Japan with Mochizuki, and he did very well there, and then he came back, and he had that match at this show last year against uh, Hulk and Yamato uh, when he and Mochizuki challenged for the Twin Gate belts, which to me, you know, we had we knew Skywalker was good. We knew he had potential. That was the match that I went, holy shit, Skywalker is is really something and I think can hang in the main event because that was a match where Skywalker almost died like three or four times. I mean, even for him, he was reckless at that match, but he saved it and it worked and it was exciting. And he's carried that momentum into this year. And just every time he's on the screen in a multitude of colors, as Mike has pointed out to me many times, Skywalker (laughs) is exclusively coming out to the ring in new gear every single time and it's it's a little concerning um i would like to know how much money is going into his gear but (laughs) the fact is he's killing it no matter what color he's wearing and it's great to see because this has been a slow build project for dragon you know ben k from day one we could tell skywalker was someone that i think people took notice of really quick because he was different he kind of felt like a michinoku pro wrestler just given the appearance and his in-ring style and his height and then we've seen him just transition from okay this guy could do some fun spots to wow he was really good in all japan and now he's killing it in the main event scene and it's great to see yeah and it's something that i feel like they've been at the very least intentional about him just because at the beginning of the year was the rookie ranking tournament. He beat Kaido Ishida in an excellent match in the main event there and to win the tournament. Then he proceeded to have another great match with Benkei, which was kind of like the, the crystallization of what would happen with their pseudo unit. And then he had a strong King of Gate. I wouldn't call him the MVP of King of Gate. Like, that would be going too far. But he had a very strong King of Gate. And then he's had two bangers at the two of the biggest shows of the year. So, like, you look at him and it's just like, okay... They've been very intentional about Shun Skywalker, and it makes me wonder, like, okay, Benkei is your long-term, he's your Yamato. He's going to be the guy that on the poster is going to be front and center, but they've done a great job of making him, at at the very least, a Naruki Doi off-center and to the back a little bit on the poster, if you get my analogy I'm making here. and For sure. And, and I think the thing with his gear, before we move on, I think he still lives in the dojo. So I don't think he's paying rent anywhere. So I think that might be why he's able to afford all these things is because he's not is because he doesn't have like an apartment that he's living. He's still living in the dojo. So I guess whatever his rent money could be is going towards his his chill wave vapor wave look, which I'm always for. I mean, who thought after having some of the worst gear in wrestling, Shun Skywalker has like got it to get down. And if I ever go to Japan, I'm going to probably side up to someone and say, hey, I know he has all these masks. How much for a mask? Just because, like, why not? Because we know he's going to have them. 
So, oh, he's got plenty. I think he's established that this year. I, I, I you have to go see. <clears throat> we have to go see if Body Adapt still exists because I know that was like the only place for a long time to get Dragon Kid and Kness masks. Because I imagine at this point, if Body Adapt still exists, all over it, all over it, just Shun masks, Shun masks, Shun masks. Just skip over any Shun mask until mid twenty eighteen, and we're gonna go from there. That sounds like a good financial investment for you. Hey, I mean, I, I've seen like. Ultimo like sells all of his gear. Like I've seen like one of his things. <laughs> no, my, my friend, Ultimo, Ultimo will gladly sell you anything. I saw him at AAW two years ago with Rich Krejci, and Rich was like, "Oh man, should I should I go get the Ultimo mask?" I was like, "I don't know." And then Ultimo will gladly sign those Ultimo masks for a few dollars more. And once Rich saw that, he's like, "I'm in." But Ultimo more than happy to sell you anything do not be afraid of approaching Ultimo with u.s currency in hand i mean he, he's just the man that's always there to make money and go along with that and by the way i just saw something come across my tweet deck right now that should be considered daga has made a tweet about red that ada has retweeted okay which goes that... contrary to a lot of things i've heard <laughs> that that would be a little deflating uh but but just because They've hyped it up as something more, but if Daga wants to come back and I don't know, maybe tag out for Diamante for the rest of the tour, just I'm okay forever, with that. Forever. Yeah, just hey, hey, man, take this one off. I got this. I'm gonna take a flat back bump to the floor, uh, and you are incapable of doing that. Yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, just an interesting thing, especially considering how, you know, there was some there was some controversy about Daga. Apparently, at least if you listen to the Lucha circles, there was some controversy about him in Dragon Gate, but. I saw it went across that, but I think this is a good time to talk about. Probably, now that I'm thinking about it, and it's something that I probably would have started talking about if we started bottom the show up. This was an incredibly snake that show about people looking like they took bit bumps that really hurt. We've already talked about the uh, the the bumps that happened in the Dreamgate match. Ginky got busted open with a table. Uh, there was, of course, what happened in this match that were about to happen rather talk about but with kai and dragon kid as it was the 20th anniversary celebration series match eight as ultimo dragon teamed with tri vanguard members bb hulk and kai versus the maximum team of masato yoshino dragon kid and jason lee and this was where i felt like we have reached the point of decreasing returns from ultimo case did you feel the same way yeah, this was his worst match since coming back. I even liked the house show match that he had a little bit more than this, which, you know, he's in the ring with BB Hulk and Kai and Jason Lee, which, I, you know, we both love Jason Lee, but he's maybe a step down from the Masaki Mochizukis of the world. So he was in there with his weakest crew yet, but it's still, it was, you know, that thing of, okay, We've seen Ultimo here now. You know, what else does he bring to the table? And I think at Gate of Origin, when he's in there with all those legends, we'll be able to get that magic back, at least for that night. But after that, it's less about the greatest hits tour and more about that next album that he's going to produce, if that makes sense. You know, he has to bring something new to the table because we've seen the Ultimo tribute match in Drangate now. Um, I'll remember this more for the aforementioned Drangkin and Kai bump. Um, more than anything Ultimo did, although they are still keeping the fact that Ultimo has not hit the Asai Moonsault yet. He's teased that in every match, and every match someone's pulled him off the apron. 
I think that's terrific. I can't wait to see him finally hit one. But on that, it was just a match. Three and a quarter and just didn't light my world on fire at all. I'm going to take your band album analogy one step further to describe this run for Ultimo. So go with me on this. We're going to get in some weird places. Give it to me. Okay. He definitely, we're waiting to see what his new album is because it feels like he's finally gotten back together with his original band after years of being a solo act or joining and playing guitar as like a second fiddle on someone else's act where he just doesn't feel like any good or he doesn't he doesn't sound very good he looks out of place they're not gelling he's now back with his original act they've already had like a couple great shows but it's gone to a point where he's done the touring they initially do he's done lola plaza i mispronounced that so bad he's that th- was fascinating i've never heard anybody <laughs> say it like that lola palooza say, say lola wow lola palooza there we That's- go Lola. That is fast. Go ahead. No, I, no, no, no. Lola Palazzo. That sounds like that. I'm from uh, Cleveland, talking about like some random, uh, I don't know, restaurant that is called Lola Palazzo. But yeah, that was incredible. Go ahead. I'm that. That was the analogy, but I had yeah. to stop there. Oh, oh no, I deserve that. No, it's not Cleveland. It's Pittsburgh. Because if you've talked to people from Pittsburgh, that's kind of how they sound like a lot of the time. Well, so. most people there are dumb, so that makes sense. Sorry, Pittsburgh, but I don't like your football team, and it's football season. I mean, I'm afraid of the pit super weapon in college football, so that's fair. But uh, <laughs> the, the, the pit super weapon is what happens when the University of Pittsburgh loses all season and somehow manages to knock out a very good ACC team at the end of the year. But yeah, so going back to my analogy, he's done the big festival dates with his original backing band. The whole band's back together, but you're wondering to see what is going to happen next because you've seen them now. Like you've seen the live streams of them at Coachella. You've seen them. You want to know what he's going to do now. And now I guess we have some sort of definitive date coming up on the 11th where we're going to figure this out. But, yep, this was fine. I was happy that Jason Lee did not get eaten up, so Ultimo was in a good mood. That was something I know we both were worried about, Case. Yeah, no, it it worked out nicely, actually. I I enjoyed the brief chemistry they had with one another. Yeah, there wasn't any super awkwardness between him and BB Hulk. It just seemed like they were just two guys in a tag match. Maybe that was some of this is you have Ultimo teaming up with Kai, which I assume they teamed up sometimes in All Japan before Kai bolted over to Wrestle 1, but I don't know that. And he never teamed up with BB Hulk. Maybe that's why this match also felt very weird, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, it was just, it was more so the (coughs) Ultimo that we have come to know in the past decade than the Ultimo that we had gotten to know uh, that we really enjoyed in Dragon Gate. And it looks right. like Kai and Ultimo teamed a little bit in 2017, All Japan, um, and then again in this match. But yeah, if this was this was 2019 Ultimo Dragon. I mean, that's just as simple as it was. It was him working on a certain level, and you can't get above that level because you can't outshine Ultimo, uh, but that level's going to bring everyone down in the process. Yeah, and I think that's probably about it. I, I think he actually looked better than he usually does in other places still, you know? He still he doesn't look like he's like doing slow ankle locks at least. So yeah, that is that is a plus. All right, I think that we might have spent more time on that match than that match was itself. Oh yeah, if you're wondering what the result was, it was Ultimo for Jason Lee, 16 minutes and 12 seconds with the log Magus draw. That's how he's been finishing each and every one of his matches since he's been back in Dragon Gate. And again, Kai looked like he got injured about 14 minutes. And would you say it was definitely like well into the match but he got spiked on a ultra rana and it was pretty bad yeah it was pretty bad 
All right. The, the match before this was... Between this and the twin match was... I can't really decide. I both have them graded the same. I don't know which one personally is my favorite match of the night. I'm going to go with this one just so I can be my own unique and delicate snowflake. It is the tag match between the... Uh, the Mochizuki Dojo team of Masaki Mochizuki and Keisuke Okuda versus the Maximum team of Naruki Doi and Kaido Ishida. Okuda got the win in 10 minutes and 36 seconds with his Frankensteiner Avalanche Triangle Choke. I went four and a quarter stars. This was exactly why I wanted out of this match. Like, maybe it could have had another minute or so, but this was just guys being dudes. You know, I posted that vine. This is what this match was, was just... Guys being dudes just teeing off on each other and being mean, and I loved it. Yeah, this is uh, my number two. I gave it four flat, uh, but I liked it a little bit more than Susumu versus Shun. The thing with Kaisuke Akuda that I think works so well in this promotion, I don't want a card full of this style of match. I want Akuda on every card working his style of match. It's just so digestible in this format where he's the only person working like this, where he's throwing that avalanche triangle choke, which this time uh, wasn't an immediate tap out, but it led to the victory, which was nice to see. And he's just already got this chemistry with Mochizuki that makes sense given the two's background and given the in-ring style between the two. But it's great to see that it works not only on paper, but in the ring. And he's killing it against these high rung roster members. I mean, he and Naruki Doi have developed really strong chemistry, and then he and Kaito Ishida, that's a given. I can't wait to see where that goes in the future because it looks like they've got a lot more stuff planned for them. So yeah, this was simply put, just great professional wrestling. This was this was really fun to watch, and I'm really excited to see where Akuda goes from here. Yeah, it was tremendous. Uh I wanted to ask you this. How are you feeling about this Doi versus Doi Okuda? No, sorry, Doi Okuda. Doi and Ishida tag team because it's not what I would have expected being the top tag team in Maximum, but I they've been booked together now nonstop since Kobe World. They've been having what I think is some of the better matches on the show, and I'm really starting to like this team. I think it bodes well for Kaito Ishida's future that he's getting to spend all this time on the road with Naruki Doi. He was obviously doing that uh just being in the same unit as him. But now that they're spending all this time together, I think he's going to learn a ton and he can translate that into singles wrestling, which he's already at, you know, working at a very high level. And there's no one on earth better to learn tag team wrestling from than Naruki Doi. So I think Ishida's in good hands and I'm, I'm excited to, to see this team. I really would like a twin gate match with those two at some point, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting just because, Naruki Doi is the best tag team wrestler in this promotion's history. And you kind of like take him under the wing, but you would want them to maybe get it rain here. But at the same time, it's just difficult with what I feel like he is a very big solidifying rain for Big E right now. You know, it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen, although it should. Yeah, there's a weird thing with Big E where I agree that it's their solidifying rain, and I agree that Ata is looking more comfortable than he has in years. I, I feel like that's a reign that could end tomorrow or it could be going on a year from now. I, right. I can't tell exactly where that's going, but I do know that, as you kind of mentioned earlier, it's stabilized Ata and he feels much more comfortable here than he did in the entire Dragon Kid feud of last year. And I think uh, from an in-ring perspective, it would be hard to beat Big E versus Doi and Ashida. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, Keisuke Okuda was a monster here. This is what should happen with him, like, I'm glad he finally got a win with the uh, triangle choke after a little bit. Like, that's cool. And then after the match, 
uh, Ishida like came back to consciousness and got pissed because he's Kaido Ishida and this is what he does. He's a very angry person and I love it. It, it was just this was just like a 10 minute match. It's really worth like going out of your way to watch because it's just this great Dragon Gate tag team wrestling. I completely agree. And uh, yeah, I'm all for it. I also liked the match before it quite a bit if you want to get into <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, this was the this was the first style match on the show. When I made the joke earlier about how there was a lot of kind of portents of this being a weird show, there was a really weird bump in this match. It was the open the Triangle Gate Championship match between the Strong Machine Army, JF and G, alongside Shogun, KY Wakamatsu, going up against the the, the uh, Mochizuki Dojo Angry Young Men team, led by the angriest young man, Hio Watanabe, and kind of his two, his two dojo mates who aren't as mad, but they're like, hey, we're getting a title shot, let's do this. Yuki Yoshioka and Kota Minanura. Jay got the win again with the Majin Fushigatame, that is the Devil's Windmill Suplex on Hio Wanabe after 12 minutes and 44 seconds with that. And that was their first defense of the team. The Strong Machine Army remains undefeated. In case I'll let you lead off with this one. This was a this was a weird match, and Hio almost died. It was a weird match, but this match, other than the Twin Gate match, which which was just visually impressive this match left me with the biggest impression on the entire show because strong machines were really good i think they played their parts well although they are still really not over which is concerning i mean not a ton was over with this tokyo crowd but kind of like kobe after the match you just go oh strong machines are not doing anything to move the needle um but this match was phenomenal um, I gave it three and a half, which I don't tend to dissect star ratings that much because for me, it's a system that makes sense. I know there are other people, uh, on this website and just in the community that, that are puzzled by star ratings, which more power to them. I, you know, for them, it's a really interesting discussion for me. It's pretty straightforward, but I gave this match three and a half stars. And I do feel like, you know, five days after the show or whatever, that I really underrated this match because Hayao Watanabe just came in with a plan to talk shit and get hit, and he executed that plan to perfection. Um, I couldn't stop thinking about the minor threat song Small Man Big Mouth, which is what Watanabe uh, entails. It's what he represents at this point. Strong machines are doing their thing, doing their thing, and then Watanabe gets an opportunity to go crazy and he goes for it. And he was just hitting every single thing uh, that he needed to hit. He came up a little short uh, and, you know, took the pen, which surprised me. I thought Minora would take the pen, but this was a coming out party for Hayao Watanabe in a sense that he's proven he can rise to the occasion and deliver in these title matches because for so long it was, you know, Watanabe's, Watanabe's not hitting his potential. You know, he's on the undercards. He's doing dark matches. He's taking falls. And then we saw him build up that resume a little bit, and we started seeing him be really, really good on the undercard. And now he's got a title match, and he did really, really well here. It's clear they've got plans with him on Akuda. I don't know what direction that's going in, but uh, I would be buying stock in Hayao Watanabe right now, and this match just solidified that for me. Yeah, and this is kind of me going three years later being able to pat myself on the back for him you know this was he oh, just, well deserved it, this was something that i've been trying to dial back my hio wanabe fandom just because i kind of was accepted to where he was on the card but over like the last few months it's just been right back into it like why did i ever doubt my small leopard son why did i ever think that 
he was happy with his station on the card. He's been one of the most interesting people just because of he's showing that charisma that I remember talking to you about when he debuted and when they had the big match on uh, December 1st, 2016, the match I talk about all the time, the class of 2016 versus the veterans where he came off like a cocky Shima rookie kind of character. Like not Shima now, but Shima Nobunaga, the leader of Crazy Max, who is just bursting at the brims with charisma, just chatting shit and getting hit. Like he was just great in this. And he just kind of like, all of his moves have, and his ring style has finally kind of crystallized in this, that he would always like go for Fireman's Carries based moves, but always felt like a little awkward. But now he realizes, okay, I'm going to roll into this and I'm just going to be almost a perpetual ball of motion. And for a guy who's listed at 5'4", probably closer to 5'2", 150 pounds, it makes him one of the more interesting guys to watch because he doesn't have the speed of Masato Yoshino. He doesn't have the fluidity that someone like Shun Skywalker has developed, but now he he just has like this force of will that makes him so interesting to watch and makes it a little bit disappointing that he was the one who ate the devil's windmill suplex. Like you said, that should have been Menonor's fall, but I feel like it's something that he's getting more and more angry and more and more kind of just like feeling himself and it's exciting to watch the strong machine army we both kind of been at a point where we're kind of we can give them or take or leave them at this point i i did see that jay is off most of the cards other than tape shows which yeah i noticed that as well which tells me that maybe either they're taking a step back with him or his shoulder which is obviously the injury the injury has to be his shoulder that thing has been taped up pretty much since his debut is a little worse there was the moment where Hiwanabe just decided to pull a Daga and just do a bump to the outside where no one caught him. It looked like that should have been G in that situation that gave him no chance there. And then, you know, also, we're going to spend this time talking about Wanabe. Yoshioka and Minenora were good in this too. Like, Minenora did some really good selling at the beginning of the match. Like, Minenora has really kind of come into his own as well now, now as he's officially entered year two of being a wrestler. Yeah, no, the whole unit is excellent. I mean, pound for pound, they are the most entertaining act in the company because from Mochizuki on down, I know I'm getting a quality match with any of these guys. And it's just, it's a unit, in air quotes, I guess I should say, because it's really not supposed to be a unit, but it's really worked out and it's elevated Skywalker and we're going to see the Watanabe elevation any day now. And then, you know, guys like Yoshioka, who are maybe more charisma challenge that other people are able to kind of hide out in this mochizuki led unit and just do their thing which is wrestle and be really good and it's really fun to see yeah and you know he's someone that i feel like that yoshioka he he might just be the sumo of this era like this might just be his station is he's not necessarily a charismatic guy but he's someone that will come ring first and maybe the charisma is going to be offered by the other people around him and that'll be fine but you look at this and then I mean, they're still having all the drama between uh, Watanabe and Okuda, and we have to see what's going to happen there, and it's going to be interesting with what the cards are next month. So it's just, it's just an interesting point, and I completely agree with you. They're the most interesting not-unit they've had in a long time. So do you have any other moment? Do you have any other thoughts for this match before we move on to the openers? No, I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, the match that we're going to talk about next. I'm watching this GIF over and over again because there's something that's very soothing about it. So let's get into the match. All right, this was a eight-person tag with R.E.D. versus the just kind of old men, the OGs, if you really want to. I mean, all all four of these guys were members of Torimon Japan or soon thereafter. 
It was Kazuma Sakamoto, Takashi Yoshida, Yuzushi Kanda, so basically the former Triangle Gate team, teaming with Diamante versus Ryo Saito, Super Shisa, Kness, and Kenichiro Arai. It was a about what you expect there. It was 6 minutes and 48 seconds with Shisa getting the win via disqualification after Takashi Yoshida missed him and took his mask. And Case, you seemed like you were a lot more higher on this match than I was, so I'll let you take the floor first. Yeah, I thought this match was super fun. Um, I think partially just because the finish really caught me by surprise with Yoshida unmasking Super Shisa, blowing the mist in his face and getting DQ'd. It's just something that's going to stick with me more than a cyberbomb would or, or Kness doing his, his fancy roll-up. Yeah, I thought this match was fun. And just from the finish and then looking ahead to the cards we get, I think this is the start of a small program between kind of these Toriyaman OGs and R.E.D. Because on the Cork and Hall show that we're going to break down in just a little bit, we're getting Eita, Big R, Shimizu, and Diamante against Saito, Shisa, and Kanichiro Rai. So something is happening here. The unmasking was intriguing to me. And I just, I thought this match was fun. I mean, it's an undercard match. It went six minutes. It's nothing to go crazy about. I just thought for what it was, it was a good time. Yeah, I... Uh... It just was something that I went two and a half stars on this. I mean, it was a six minutes match. Two and a half stars is, for me, a little bit above average. I, I usually use two as my, this is an average match thing, which I know, star ratings. But uh, it was just okay to me. I mean, Diamante decided to show up wearing green, which was weird. You know, I mean, you're an RED. The colors are red, black, and a little bit of yellow. Kind of stick with that. And then it just was like Rio Saito selling early and... You know, this went fast. This went a fast clip, considering that the combined age of everyone on the veteran side is 160. So good for them on that. But it was fine. You know, I'll be interested to see if this turns out to be like a We Are Team Veteran Returns versus the uh, the this uh, this RED Scrub Squad at the very least. But yep, yeah, I think we probably talked about this match more so than the match itself. So unless you have anything else, let's get into the opener. No, and I don't have a ton to say about the opener, so let's do it. All right. This was a 10-person tag with the kind of tri-vanguard team of Yosuke Santa Maria, Kagatora, Sachioko Boy, Dragon Daya, and Jimmy versus Brother Yashi, Punch Tomonaga, Problem Dragon, Hiroshi Yamato, and Martin Kirby. This match went 7 minutes and 15 seconds with Santa Maria getting the pin on Punch Tomonaga with the Nero Luchi. I went 2 and 3 quarters. thought this was a fun little match. Uh, Jimmy had a fun little opening. It felt like we got to see more of Jimmy in this match than... And previous shows, it just was like a fast clip, and really everyone looked pretty solid, and I was kind of surprised that there was not a whole lot of either Daya or Kirby in this, but, you know, it was opener, it was decent, I went two and three quarters on it. Yeah, this was the Jimmy Farewell, uh, I believe at this point he's back in Mexico, whereas Kirby's sticking around, uh, and other than Jimmy getting a little bit more feature... Uh, this was the Yusuke Santa Maria match. I noticed from the start that she was getting a ton of offense, looked really strong, and, you know, she ended up uh, viciously, romantically attacking Susumu Yokozuka later on in the card. So it made sense, and it was good booking, and I really liked that, and I love that Dragon Gate has the ability to just heat someone up like that, and if you're paying attention, you'll realize it, and it all makes sense. Uh, but this was an opener, and I don't have much more to say about it. Yep, that's about it. I actually did see that. It looks like Jimmy has one more match before he's heading back. Oh, does he really? Yeah, he'll be at the Sendai show. But, yep, I think that pretty much... Oh, I, yeah, that's right. I knew that. That pretty much is it for a review of the weirdest card, at least in the last five 
No, not as weird as the first card after Strongheart's Love, but the second weirdest card since <laughs> since like last like eight years of the for the annual show at Odyssey Gymnasium, Dangerous Gate 2019. A good show, like three. I had three four star matches, but just a weird show. Yeah, it's when we when we broke down this card, I was thinking about you know can I recommend this to somebody, and it's like well everything from the Triangle Gate match on was really good. I mean, I I think we've underrated this show, right. and there are people that like the main event more than we did. So it's a really good show. It just didn't have the feel that we were necessarily anticipating or that we've come to expect. But that's not a bad thing because, like we've talked about, the show was really, really good. Yeah, no, I just like look at my star ratings for this. I'm like, you know, it just was a weird feeling show. Like you take the matches by themselves. You're someone who's higher up on Benkei and Yamato than we are, then you're probably talking about a four-star match, four match show, which usually that should be something that merits um show of the year contender in a lot of places that don't really watch a whole lot of New Japan. So it's kind of it's kind of weird in that regard. But yeah, it, it was a good but weird show. And, you know, there's really not a whole lot else for us to talk about, but we're still going to still talk about weirdness as we have the cards for the two big shows in September have been posted september is a little bit of a down month after january not january after july and august as there's six shows that will be up on the network we know the cards for the first two shows then they'll have a show in edion arena 2 the kobe sambo and then fukuoka it's just basically their usual schedule except for their annual show at sendai sin plaza so we have the so I'm going to read off this show, and in case, feel free to chime in whenever you want to talk about it. This is the Gate of Origin 2019 from Sunday Sin Plaza. It's going to be starting at 1.45 local time, which, at least for where I live, that would put this show at a midnight, just, just before 1 a.m. start. So it's going to be available for people on the West Coast. This is like the, the, the weird show that starts before everything else between the craziest day in wrestling in the last few years. So if you want to start your your big September 1st day before you want to watch uh, Royal Quest or if you're a weirdo and want to watch any NXT UK Glasgow, you can start with this show. But it's Yeah, a, start with a real promotion instead of NXT UK. Don't get me started, Case. <laughs> I, I'm just glad that people finally believe me what are believing what I say, and then they're going to soon believe what I say about Suri being a planted wrestler. So... <laughs> <laughs> anyways anyways kid of, <laughs> of origin so it starts off with a tag team opener and we'll get into why we think that this match is a little bit more weird after i read off it it is maximum versus mochizuki dojo as jason lee and kaido ishida are going against hio watanabe and keisuke akuda the very same match is run as the second match on tokyo's show at stormgate on the 11th I've gone back and checked their official website where they announced everything. This is not an error. They do have both. They're running this match twice. So I don't know what that's supposed to mean. This doesn't usually happen, Case. Yeah, I sent you a message asking if it was an error, and then I looked on the Gaiora website myself just to see if it was, and it's not. Um, I'm confused but intrigued because on paper – we should be getting two excellent matches um, between, you know, the origin show or the origin match and then the Corkin match. But it's just very odd for them to run the exact same match uh, with such little time uh, in between. 
Yeah, like that's the thing. It's less than ten days. It's the two. That it'll be one TV show versus the other with how they tape. So I mean, there's not like a show in Osaka or Kobe between these two. It's just gonna have, they're just gonna run rerun this match twice, and it's gonna be kind of weird. Second second reason why these are a couple of really weird shows. Match two is a twelve man battle royal as. The members of this match are Masaki Mochizuki, Don Fuji, Ryo Saito, Gamma, Kness, Brother Yashi, Problem Dragon Mondai Ryo, Merton Kirby, Jimmy, Yoshi Kanda, Takashi Yoshida, and Kazuma Sakamoto. So, Case, we have a weird tag team. We have a weird battle royal going on here. Yeah, I am super confused by this and the uh kind of immediate thrusting of battle royals upon us on this show and then the cork and hall show i started reviewing dragon gate in 2015 started well for voices of wrestling i started writing about dragon gate in 2014 and i've had an eye on the company since around this time in 2013 i don't remember the last time a battle royal was televised i don't know other than the shima royales which i've only seen a handful of I don't know if I've seen a battle royal in this company before. Yeah, I mean, they used to have the Shima Royal, which was something that Shima did during his monster tile reign, just the psych contenders after Blood Warriors broke up. So, I mean, like, that was just kind of a thing that they did. It was kind of weird. And I remember Pac won one, and I think one was won by Super Shisa, I want to say. Like, there was a period of them. It was just a way for them to do that. But they're doing this here. They've done like house show battle royals are bot shows they do them like shows that never make tape and always have the black canvas and they're usually shows that they're doing because someone paid them money to put on the shows so it's kind of weird like there's no way i could get around the show without saying it's kind of weird having this kind of hard to even predict who would win this when you have uh, people like yashi and problem dragon people like kirby and jimmy you have the red trio then you have kness who i guess is kind of in the middle of something with them gamma who nice that both Gamma and Don Fuji decided to show up for this case. You know, I mean, well, you know, they've enjoyed their summer vacation and it's time to get back to work. Right. Yeah. I mean, their summer vacation. They have Masaki Mochizuki. I mean, I can see Masaki Mochizuki winning this just as much as someone can say, oh, yeah, Gamma's going to win. It's just weird, case. Like, I just, ah, this is, we'll, we'll get more into the weirdness when we talk about the other Battle Royal. But the next match was a match that was announced before our last show. And this is the special trios match, the Sendai Girls kind of offer match as Mako Satomura will be on this show for the second straight year as she'll team with her usual Sendai girls tag team partners whenever they kind of do other things. It's Mako Satomura, Dash Chisako, and Chihiro Hashimoto against Nane Takahashi from Seedling, which I think is the first time that Nane Takahashi's ever appeared in a Dragon Gate ring. I want to say that's probably pretty common. I, I had to expect that happen. And she'll be teaming with Yosuke Santa Maria and Sakura Chikawa. With Sakura Chikawa here, I expect it's a comedy match. Kind of weird that Maria is now in what would usually be a comedy match, considering that they are getting a Brave Gate shot at Corkin. Case, do you have any thoughts about this match, really? Nope. <laughs> Not a one. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's, yeah, it's just going to be a match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I love Chihiro Hashimoto. She's one of my favorite Joshi wrestlers, and... She is a unique person. Of course, Mako Satomura is Mako Satomura, but there's really just not a whole lot you can do about this. As my Siri is going off here, okay, so give me what, one what, second. Uh, what, set off the, what, what set off the Siri there? I have no idea. Maybe it's cheer. Well, know. it's still going. It's Whatever still going. it is, so, Siri's got something to say about I'm gonna, it. I'm going to edit out this pause, but yes, no, when I was reading off this thing, I was trying to talk until 
the Siri would stop. This is obviously the most professional show on Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Something set it off. So I, I, I think it's charming. I think he should keep it in there. Oh, no, I'm keeping the charm in, but I'm about to edit <laughs> off this pause for me to, t- to put my phone on Do Not Disturb mode. Oh, I gotcha. <laughs> yeah, Case, I can't tell what did it. Yeah, I well, you know, more power to you. Uh, it will probably be more interesting than the match we just talked about or the match we're about to talk about. Yeah, no, no the one thing I'm going to wonder is I hope it didn't tell it. And I'm going to try to avoid anything that has anything close to sounding like it. I hope it didn't text anyone. I didn't check to see if it texted anyone. Because that could have been really weird, like texting, like, former bosses... You know, oh, just, you mean they don't want to hear your Joshi takes at eight nineteen on a on a Wednesday night? That would be inappropriate. <laughs> entirely inappropriate. But, but anyways, yeah. Oh, good. No. <laughs> Match four is a Red versus Maxim. Um, yeah. I I I've been completely thrown off kilter by Siri. I'm going to say, but it's anyways. It is match four is Natural Vibes versus Red. It is KZ, Susumu Yokosuka, and Punch Tomonaga versus Ada. Bigar Shimizu and Diamante. I guess this is another way to make Big E look great here. I can't think of much other reason for this match to be happening. The only thing I can think of is that they're going to retell a KZ story from a few years ago. When, if you remember in early 2017, uh, KZ and Yasuke Santa Maria challenged for the tri- or for the Twin Gate belts, rather. Um, against CK1, the Shimo Dragon Kid team, and they came up short. And then KZ came back a month later with Naruki Doi at Champion Gate, and they, or I'm sorry, not Naruki Doi, BB Hulk. Uh, KZ and Hulk challenged for the Twin Gate belts at a Champion Gate. We all thought they were going to win the belts. They didn't, but it was this interesting story of KZ and his elevation and working with better people. The only thing I can think of, if this match has any meaning at all, is that they're going to set up KZ and Yokosuka versus Ata and Big R. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think it's a possibility. Other than that, uh, I have no use for this match. Yeah, I guess they could see how... I mean, this is the longest period in their big stretch without a big show. I mean, there could be a Twin Gate match. So, I mean, that could be a Twin Gate match that's not going to eat up another title match at Gate of Destiny. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they could fill Cork in with that match, and I think it would be interesting. Right, yeah. No, that makes more sense than anything. Punch Tomonaga making a trip, whereas Ginky Horiguchi's taking it off. That's something. But yeah, It's a bummer for all involved. Yeah, yeah. I guess Punch Tomonaga's Dance Academy did not need him working that day. Oh, take the day off, Punch. You're good, brother. <laughs> Go out there and put those wrestling boots on. I, I really wonder about his dance, his dance academy. That's something that, at the end of the day, we're blessed that he's bringing that into this world. It's good for us all. It's it, Hopefully it creates a lot of content and we're able to engage with said content in the future. Yeah, I'm going to have to like go find out if there is any sort of like Twitter account for it. But I mean, because Katoka now has a full on Twitter account for his gym he started up. So, I mean, there should be a... I mean, if Punch and Mog is behind this, he should be putting some social media behind it other than just having random postings on the... Uh, in like Dragon Gate programs like he has to do some sort of advertising case he needs the digital strategy he needs to market himself we need to get punch needs to hire you me and garrett kidney and <laughs> we will we will make a healthy salary living in japan with benefits running punch tamanaga social media it's all i ask i mean at the end of the day he at the we know that there will at least be some sort of exercise i mean there'll be some sort of gym health plan if we worked well. oh my god i'd get into great shape if punch had me dance and i'd be all for it 
But what if it's like just doing the natural vibes dance? <laughs> just over, just party and, over yeah. and over. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get real tired of doing the square and then doing the uh, four person worm, you know? <laughs> oh boy well hey this next match is pretty good yeah no we've already probably talked more about things evolving match four than the people in that match itself match five special tag match doi yoshi reunite once again to face binkei and shun skywalker big match big implications yeah this match is gonna rule um i'm really excited to see where this goes because i feel like the binkei team is winning especially given that we've got a battle royal at Cork and Hall that's going to set up a Dreamgate contender. So there's no reason for Yoshino to pin Ben K, especially because, you know, if Yoshino pins him, that sets up a match at Gate of Destiny. Well, the main event of Gate of Destiny last year was Yoshino versus Ben K. I feel like that would be very odd for them to go back to. And Naruki Doi versus Ben K just doesn't... You just have that feeling that's not the direction they're going in. So... I think Ben K and Skywalker will win. I think they should win also. I think that would be a really good look for them as they try to establish this Gate of Origin show as a yearly show to put over, uh, we'll, we'll call them the, the youngsters, but they're established on the roster. But, you know, no one is more protected than Masato Yoshino and Naruki Doi. And I think that needs to be exploited here. And I think Ben K uh, needs to come away with a victory. Yeah, Ben K is going to probably beat Naruki Doi here. Like, that's the obvious conclusion. Uh, Galaxy Brain is Shun beats Masato Yoshino, but I think that you're right. It has to be the uh, Ben Shun tandem to get the win here. It'll be interesting, though, because they don't run Doi Yoshi matches that often, and it's very clear that Naruki Doi has moved on to being a tag team partner with Kaido Ishida, and Masato Yoshino is just involved in whatever Ultimo Dragon's doing. So it's interesting. Like This is probably the match that, before they announced the Dream Gate key battle royal this was like the most important match on the show i'd argue but now it's kind of just a really interesting exhibition so it'll be interesting yeah it, it's a it's a good way for ben k to come out looking strong and i hope they take advantage of that right yeah so the main event is the i guess it'd be volume nine yeah it'd be volume nine of uh, the dragon gate 20th anniversary celebration series special so this is a special one here so maybe it's out of the continuity but it is the really this is a just an enormous tag match on one side and then try Vanguard on the other. But it's Ultimo Dragon and then the Michinoku Pro representatives. And of course, Michinoku Pro is in this area. Sendai is in the northwest, the northeast part of Japan. And so, I mean, that's why you have Sendai Girls and Michinoku Pro here. But it's Great Sasuke and Jensei Shinsaki teaming with Dragon Kid against Yamato, BB Hulk, Kai, and Kagatora of Tribe Vanguard. So, this is the first time that Sasuke and Jinsei Sensaki have been in a Dragon Gate reign since the 20th anniversary match for Shima and Don Fuji, I believe. So that's interesting to me. Yeah. That, oh my God, I forgot about that match. Yeah, that would be that would be it. Yeah, because remember that was the match where they did the crazy fucking pose and Shima cut a promo later saying how awkward he felt doing that and how embarrassing it was. <laughs> and you know what that shows maturity that i'm glad that shima has has obtained you don't always have that kind of maturity from shima but yeah no no you do not so this will be a fun eight eight man tag you know i mean probably give kagatoro get a little bit of fire to have a main event here it'll be interesting to see sasuke and shinzaki here it, it just is like 
a big match locally, so this makes sense that they would have this here. Is there any more really to read into this match? No, I, I think it's going to be a, a another act in the Greatest Hits Tour. I'm excited for it. There's a lot of star power and a lot of history in this match, and I, I'm intrigued by it. Um, I think it's going to be fun. I don't know if it's going to be great, but I think it's going to be fun, and that is kind of how I feel about most of this show. So expect a written review from me at some point. Um, I'm moving back to Chicago uh, that weekend, so my schedule is going to be a little crazy. Um, I don't know when exactly that review will be up or when I'll have a chance to watch the show. Could be that Monday morning. It might be later on in the week, uh, but just keep on checking back at VoicesOfWrestling.com because eventually I will have my full thoughts written out about this show. Yep, it's going to be an interesting show. It's kind of bigger than a cork and not as big as a champion gate show but it's interesting like there's a lot of this is like a good potpourri of weird dragon gate stuff going on here so unless you have any other thoughts let's get into this corking card now let's do the corking let's wrap it up all right this is a eight match corking match zero is the mojizuki dojo team of yuki oshioka and kota minonora versus the problem dragon Monday ryu in his usual role on corkins in the opener and dragon daya yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued about this match because it's listed as a match zero, and we have not been getting those lately. Um, I would imagine with Dragon Gate Network, it'll be filmed and aired, and that's really match one, but I just thought it was interesting to note that we had a match zero. Yeah, I mean, the, the big thing is that they won't have lights on when they do their entrances. There won't be any special lights in Corican. So, it'll be interesting. I mean, is getting a little bit more ring time. You know, I mean, he really has struggled this year to kind of stick on stick on the main roster so him getting ring time regardless of where it is it's good i forget if tag match zeros have the five minute time limit though do you remember i do not um that sounds right though i think they do okay so for people who aren't familiar match zeros and dragon gate as they're considered exhibition matches they are five minute time limit matches usually universally they always go to the five minute draw unless it's someone like Dragon Daya versus uh, Don Fuji. Because sometimes they'll bring in some vets there. Like that's usually the only time that it's not a five minute draw. Yeah, I think. Well, even even Yoshioka at this point in his career, I think can get victories before the five minutes. But right uh, with Benora, who knows? All but right. yeah, it's a match zero. I'm excited. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see how the three youngsters kind of work in together, and it's a pro- chance for Monday Ryu to be on the show without hurting his neck. So. Moving on from that, the technical match one. So after the after Dragon Storm and the Boom Boom satellites, we will have a eight man tag. It is a real just association of guys, to be honest. So one team has three members of Natural Vibes. That's Ginky Horikuchi, Punch Tomonaga, and Brother Yashi, along with the Tokyo native Hiroshi Yamato, who's on every Tokyo card, and they are going up against the random as heck kind of tandem of don fuji and gamma so two straight shows of them their summer break must be over kagatora and martin kirby so really odd just collection of dudes here yeah i the only thing i have to note is that i find it interesting that the strong machines are not on the show and instead we see fuji and gamma but you know it's going to be an opener and uh i have exhausted my word count for Dragon Gate openers in the past. I have nothing to add here. Yeah, I, I hope, just like looking at like Martin Kirby, I don't know how much longer he's saying. 
I'll be interested to see Kirby with Yamato here. I think that could be pretty amusing. So, match two is the aforementioned replication of the tag match at Sunday Sin Plaza as Maximum Team Jason Lee and Kaido Ishida go against Hyo Wanabe and Keisuke Okuda. Now, do you think there could be something that happens in Sendai to change this match? Yes, that that is not surprising if that happens. Again, it just feels like there's such a red flag here um, with this match being the same, and then the next match to me is a giant red herring. So we're breaking down this Corkin card as we have it. It would not shock me, though, if it changes quite a bit. Yeah, because match three is the typical Cork and singles match. They always have one singles match, usually about match three on the show, two or three. It's usually one-on-one. Like, it's usually not a whole lot of stakes here. Like, there was the really cool one that was UT versus uh, uh, Takashi Yoshida last year. But this one has Ben K versus Yazushi Kanda. That's weird. I don't think it's happening. I think this is, well, it might happen, which if it does, it's a Ben K squash match, but I think it is a vehicle to introduce the new RED member or the new motto, whatever it is that they're introducing. I think this is the match to do it in. It's this match is too weird to have as a standalone match. I don't see it not having an angle attached to it. Now, just like looking at match three and four, would you think that whoever this debut or turn would be, would make, Match four, which currently is listed as Ada, Big Arshimizu, and Diamante versus Ryo Saito, Super Shisa, Kenichi Rai. Do you think that can maybe make this into an eight-person tag? I could see that, or I could see whoever debuts just having a very active presence in this match. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if they throw Ben K in there. That would be interesting. I actually hadn't thought about that. Of If you want to throw Ben K in there with the old guys and then do uh, a four-on-four match, I would like that a lot. I would actually, that would be very nice. Um, but at the very least, I think there's going to be an extra presence there that is not currently announced for the show. Right. Yeah, I, I just... I just like looking at the card now. Really, matches three through five is where I can see things get shucken up and changed around. It just makes sense. Like, you have Konda, R.E.D., and then a R.E.D. trio. It just makes sense. Pardon me that something would happen between these two matches that would bridge them, too. So. Match, yeah, no, I completely agree. Match five is the aforementioned Open the Dreamgate Championship number one contender, Battle Royal. It's only a seven-person battle royal, which is crazy weird, but this whole entire month has been crazy weird. We got BB Hulk, we got Kai, we got KZ, we got Masaki Mochizuki, we got Shun Skywalker, we have Takashi Yoshida, and we have Kazuma Sakamoto. So just like looking off the top, five guys, all the regulars here have had Dreamgate shots, and they've had Dreamgate shots somewhat recently other than Hulk, because Hulk really hasn't had one since... Uh, dead or alive when Yamato had the title was that the last time Hulk's had a title shot yes okay so and that was the last time Yoshida had a title shot as well so do you think that there could be the big heel turn in this match with two members of RED here well you've got Kai in there which if we're working off of my prior theory Mm -hmm. yes um I kind of think it has to be that, or I have to go back to my plan that I laid out last week, which was Shun Skywalker, uh, because I do think Skywalker versus Ben K is a big enough match for Gate of Destiny, and Ben K does need his win back in a singles match, so that's coming at some point. But Kai being in there and just the weirdness of the last thing, I think it's got to be one of the two. I'm leaning Skywalker, though. 
Yeah, I mean, just like looking up and down the list, Mochizuki could happen, but just, you know, I mean, like, they're going to make his last title shot something bigger than something coming out of a battle royal, I feel like. You know, I mean, especially since he turns 50 next year. I, I think that he's had his title shot for a while, you know? I, I think he's going to—I I think he disqualify him. KZ and Shun both have had title shots this year, and it's very rare that they do multiple title shots in the same year in one-on-one matches unless there's different champions. So they're both possible. Hulk, I don't think they trust Hulk's neck. And then— No, and I don't think that's a big enough match for Gate of Destiny either. Right, right, right. Uh, Kazuma Sakamoto, not a big enough match for Gate of Destiny. Kai could be a big enough match for Gate of Destiny. And then it you, wouldn't shock me. It yeah. really would not shock me. And then Yoshida, you can never count Yoshida out. That would be a really crappy main event. Yeah, be re- that would be a big bummer. Yeah, and, and I think KZ's out because Ben K just beat him. The only reason I think Skywalker's in play is that Ben K, ben K needs to beat him again, and then mm-hmm. they need to make some traction with this new unit because they're kind of aligned, but they're both unitless. They need to forward that along. And I think they need a singles match to kind of blow off some steam and then, and then move in that direction. Right. Yeah. Because you have that. You also have Mochizuki Dojo. Are they ever going to officially form? And then I always harp on this, but try Vanguard has been now around for three years. So you, you honestly have to look at try Vanguard. So, I mean, there has to be some sort of, unit shakeup or just some turn happening so there's a lot of stuff here that i think we go from you know i think i'm i think i'm with you it's going to be shun or kai i think shun would make the most sense here yeah i'd be all for it i think that'll be a great match all right so that will probably be intermission and coming back from intermission is the open the brave gate championship match set up at gate at dangerous gate where yosuke santa maria challenges susumi yokosuka i believe this will be defense three here yes defense three so off the top title tile change or not i'm leaning no okay i yeah i i like maria but this just it feels a little too quick like they haven't built it up just right for her to come away with the victory yeah no i i, I don't think it's a tile change either i think this is another one of those matches that Susumu decides to make make a star, like he's pretty much done all this year, where he likes having these great matches with younger wrestlers. Like it's, I don't know how old Yosuke is, but they are not that old. Like no, I, I remember when when she came into the company, yeah. she was young. So yeah, 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 27. 27. Okay, yeah, that that that's about right. Yeah. Um. So I think Susumu wins. Are you in the same boat there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it is. Uh, I, I I think that Susumu retains here. I think Susumu has a very good shot of dropping the title by the end of this year, though. So that's kind of where I was going with this. We just talked about how they don't typically do multiple Dreamgate matches for someone within the same calendar year. But I couldn't help but notice at Dangerous Gate that UT was back at ringside and moving around well, and UT is in the same unit as Maria. Do we think this is a vehicle to have UT return, attack Susumu, and challenge yet again for the Brave Gate belt? I would love it. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Like like me fanbooking, that's exactly what I would do. I think that it would show something that they have reestablished faith in someone after they've been injured as much as UT did because it felt like that 
UT, it took him a while of reestablishing himself, you know? Like, it felt like that Yeah. after he came back, enjoyed Tri-Vanguard, he spent most of the remainder of the year just kind of being lost post-UT, and then they finally kind of heated him up at the tail end of 2018. So it matters how much stock or how much he impressed them and how much that they're going to go back to kind of what they would do in the past. Like, this is a big test of, is this truly like a promotion where in the past UT would be straight back down the bottom of the card, right? Like, yeah, for sure. But now, I like it. I like it a lot. I would love that match, actually. So that would be an interesting way for it to go. Yeah, but, they just UT has to come back into the fold at some point. We heard September was kind of what people were expecting from him. Right. It would it would make sense. I don't I don't know if it's likely, but it would make sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what boils down to. It just would make sense. He had a separated shoulder. Those are usually 8 to 12 weeks, and he had it separated at the tail end of May. So he was out june july august that's where the window is there so and that leads us to match seven which is the main event for cork and it is the 10th volume of the dragon gate 20th anniversary celebration series the it is a very very interesting match six man tag on one side we have ultimo dragon dragon kid and darkness dragon versus masato yoshino naruki doi and yamato so case this is the first time that darkness dragon has been a character in dragon gate since 2014 it's interesting that they're that they're willing to put him up this high on the card and it makes sense why they would you know i mean it makes sense why they would call back to dragon uh, to like darkness dragon on their 20th anniversary but it's just kind of interesting the fact that it's ultimo dragon dragon kid and then darkness dragon after the huge feud between Dragon Kid and Darkness Dragon, arguably one of the most important feuds in Dragon System history. Yeah, uh, the history of Darkness Dragon is fascinating because the last time he was seen was September 2015 in a costume change Dragon Scramble Battle Royal. Did not make tape, but he came out to the ring before that. And I want to know if you remember this because I've seen this show, but I must have blocked this out because there is a no disqualifications match from 2010 Gamma versus Darkness Dragon. Okay. Does that ring a bell? 2010. 2010 Final Gate. So this is a show uh, that was headlined by Yoshino and Doi in a match that was not great. Um, yeah. Shima, Dragon Kid, and Ricochet versus... Listen to this match. This card is fascinating. Triangle Gate match. Shima, Dragon Kid, and Ricochet defeat Naoki Tanizaki, Takeyu Sawara, Sugawara, and Yasushi Kanda. That is a legitimate Triangle Gate team. Yeah, that's the and Yamato. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, that just, that is still jarring to look at all these years later. Um, there is a singles match between BB Hulk and Yamato on the show. A singles match between Susumu and Kakatora on the show. And then there's this No DQ Gamma Darkness Dragon match that I have no memory of. I'm just trying to think of the time period here. So, 2010 and 2010, this was still Yamato as champ. This was Yamato's first title reign. No, not Yamato. Sorry, this was Yoshino's title reign, right? Or is this the end? Of- yes. Yeah. So this is Yoshino's first title reign. This was when Naruki Doi got pissed off again because he was not supposed to lose the title to to Yamato. It was supposed to be or Yoshino. I don't know why I'm flipping on this, but he was not supposed to lose the title to Yoshino because originally, in his mind, World One was based around getting Naruki Doi to the next level in his mind. So that was that 
title turn here. So this was the lead of the team doy, I want to say. But yeah, all... it would have been the end of 2010. So that's what was what was coming was right yeah. around the corner was Blood Warriors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this this was this was right before Blood Warriors because this actually might have been when it was Team Doi and Warriors because it would have had all the uh, male warrior costumes. So yeah, no, because didn't wasn't there a Triangle Gate title switch there? Didn't the uh, didn't the the uh, Dragon Kid Shima and Ricochet team beat that? that other team this match yeah yeah so that was a title change as well and that was that was the start of ricochet becoming who ricochet was and right that with that he kind of rode that momentum into 2011 yeah yeah oh god i'm trying to like i'm thinking about the rest of the card for me to think of why it was darkness dragon so it's not me just reminiscing like i'm trying to jog my mind in this this was gamma bravegate champion then oh that is that is a good question um there is a there is a chance he was because there's no, it was not Pac. it was Pac. At the end of 2010? Yep. Pac won it at Stormgate in August. Yeah, no, you are you are correct. Yeah, so Pac's not on the show. Um so there's no Bravegate match, right, but yeah, Gamma's so... there. Which I, I guess, you know, that, that wasn't the only time that Darkness Dragon was a thing in 2010 because there is an Ultimo Dragon uh produce show that happened at cork and hall that year which was hajime ohara uh minu fujita and ultimo defeating black tiger darkness dragon and shu sato in the middle of cork and hall so darkness dragon appeared twice in 2010 once in 2015 but has been gone up until now such a weird thing i i can't wrap my head around what's happening then i'm probably going to remember sometime in my i'm like wake up tossing and turning thinking of this because all right they were members of World One at this time, both uh, Kness and Susumi Yokosuka, because this was during the this was during Knessica at this time. So, yeah, that was the, it. Was the tail end of that run? Okay, all right. I remember what happened here. Gamma cheated to win the Twin Gate against Gamma and Naruki Doi when it was Nes- when it was Nesuka. Okay. And then Kness like flipped out and was like, "All right, you're going to be seeing like my true side." Well, that's not bad. That's not a bad build. I'm sure that match was atrocious, but the oh, build no. to it wasn't that bad. That's what I'm guessing the build is, and you, and I'm pretty certain that's what it was. I might be wrong. Don't at me. Don't at me. <laughs> Don't at him. <laughs> Don't at well, me. But if yeah. we flash, if we flash forward nine years, right? There's a side of this match that has Ultimo Dragon. And then there, the other side is Yoshino, Doi, and Yamato, who are the three most protected guys in the company. There is were... there any chance that, like, a Darkness Dragon, for instance, takes the fall here and puts Ultima on the losing side? Or are one of the three powerhouses taking the fall? Well, if a powerhouse member is going to take the fall, it's going to be Doi. Like, yes, just, yeah. Like, like if that's going to happen here, because Yoshino really drops falls, Yamato has gone to that point now, but Doi is always the one taking falls, you know? But even then, like, and, and you're right, it would be Doi, but Doi doesn't get pinned a lot. No, no, no. It's usually his his partner in the matches. You know, like, someone, I never get who it was, proposed me. Oh, it was, I believe it was Twitter follower X John Neve. So, yes. Someone, a good follow? Yeah, yes, good, of course. A, a good follow, and they brought it up to me 
I want to say it was them, and if it's not, again, don't at me. I, actually, this time, at me, and I will apologize and, and clarify it was you. Brought up the idea that maybe Ultimo could turn heel. Yeah, okay, yes, I saw that, and I am fascinated by that idea. I don't think it's likely. I think what's more likely is Darkness Dragon turning on Dragon Kid in this match, which leads to Dragon Kid getting pinned. But, you know, I've got reservations about Ultimo joining the company full-time, but it looks mm. like that's what's going to happen. But if he's doing it in turning heel, you've got my attention. Yeah, and it, my thought originally when I heard this was, okay, that's actually not half... That, that That's actually a pretty good idea because eventually if he joins the company he's going to have to be doing crowd brawls with the heels and it's going to be better for him if he's giving the brawl versus him receiving it you know yes so like that that's my mindset about that as well so it would be interesting so like if there isn't something big happening during matches three and four and five then that's i guess where we could maybe see the big surprise so that's interesting but yeah that's yeah. that's the card for the September 11th Corican. It is just looking at the shows. The show that we talked about earlier, Danger Skate, will be up on the network through the 31st. That will be the 31st Japanese time. So if you're on the East Coast of the United States, probably up until about 11 a.m. lunchtime. And if you're at, if you live in Europe, about the time you come home from work, that's when it's come off the network. The show on the first will be up there through the eighth, same time frame basically. And then the show on the 11th will be up there till the 18th. There will be a couple more shows this this month on the network. As I said, they're basically doing the usual loop. No big Kyoto show this month, but they're going to be having another afternoon-evening doubleheader at the end of the month in Fukuoka, which is not necessarily something I'm super excited about. I don't know. I kind of like that uh, that odd Fukuoka small building, but we'll see You know, if the crowd shows up. you know, We know they'll be there. We know they'll sell it out vocally whether or not they show up i think is what matters yeah i mean they've had issues like it's not been a sellout since the first two times like they've sold it out what would be a combined sellout on this this last one but it'll be interesting i like the, the vibe of the venue it just was a show that those two shows felt like they were pretty much nothing to me so yeah that's fair I, and unfortunately we might get that if they insist on running the double header there which it looks like they're going to yeah yeah but and is there anything else you really want to hit on tonight case before we go Nope, that's it. Uh, that's that's all I've got. You can follow me on Twitter, like Mike said, at the top of the show, at underscore in your case. Read my review of Gate of Origin and then the Cork and Hall show. That will be up soon after that airs. And that is all I've got tonight. You know, uh, follow me at Fujiheya. I usually either tweet about All Elite or Dragon Gate. So it's usually both sides of the Dragon System coin. Follow the account's Twitter handle, at OpenVoiceGate. Usually, it's mainly just news, card announcements, and episodes of the show. It's not going to be a, a feed that's going to just clog up your Twitter account. If you get a chance, uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts, feel free to rate and review us. We would appreciate anything you, you give us. We are on other podcast platforms, to my knowledge. I know there's going to be a transition as we move podcast providers, but... You should be able to stick to the same RSS feeds and get us there. So, you know, follow us on Twitter. Fo- uh, you can subscribe to us as members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network or elsewhere. I can he- feel my voice dying on me, so I'm going to end it here. But for Case, I'm Mike. We'll catch you next time.